Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motormouth F1 podcast with me, Tim Sylvie. Now, Many of us race fans once had a dream to be a racing driver. I know that when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, a rock star, or an F1 driver. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. Some people, the few, go on to be an F1 driver, but that is exceptional. Others will start in carts, make their way up the ladder a few places, then fade. Others, like today's guest, turn their dreams into reality and race in hugely powerful machines doing it successfully, traveling the world, living the dream, they are the lucky few. Of course, like anything, it has its pressures. And we're here to learn what it's really like to be a top racing driver. I really hope you enjoy the show today. If you've got any questions, feel free to get in touch through our socials or send me a voice note to ts at motormouth-media.com and we'll respond to those in a future episode. We've got loads of exciting things coming up, including next week the Formula E world champion, Jake Dennis. So make sure to subscribe to be the first to hear that one. But for now, let's go meet the man behind the wheel for today, Porsche Carrera Cup GB Pro-Am champion, Josh Stanton. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? Where are you joining us from today? Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm actually I'm actually at home, which is which is quite a nice change. I um I normally live in London, but I'm I'm working from home today. So um yeah, nice to be back in the countryside. So where's where's home home? Is this is this parents' home presumably? Yes, exactly. Yeah, in the uh, in the Cotswolds. Um, so oh. yeah, nice bit nice bit of countryside. I'm obsessed with the Cotswolds. Whereabouts? Um, a little little village called Burford. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, Quite a change from from the city in London, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a, a welcome change sometimes. God, what a place to grow up! I love it there. Now, um, I'm really pleased we had you have you on the show. Um, before we we hit record, I was doing a little bit of research into you. And I don't know whether you know these statistics, but they're mighty impressive. So, and how up to date this is, I don't know, but I, it should be fairly accurate. So, race races started. 81 races entered 82 i don't know how that works wins 19 podiums 35 pole positions uh nine fastest laps 21 race win percentage 23.5 and podium percentage 43.2 which is amazing are you were you aware of all those statistics i wasn't no actually but um yeah saying them back it's um yeah it's quite quite nice to hear actually 
it's it's very very impressive i got these on driver database actually which is is relaunched recently and they they give drivers a sort of an indexed score and um and and you're right up there your your win percentage is right up there um so josh let's let's go back a little bit um you've mentioned you're from the cotswolds um let's talk a little bit about your childhood what's shaped you what what's made you the individual that you are today from a character perspective first of all I mean, yeah, I've been incredibly lucky to have have a really nice upbringing. Um, my parents have have treated my brother and I where, wherever they can, um, and kind of pushed us in in the direction that we want to go. Um, was very lucky to go to a to a lovely school and um, have good friends, and and I think I've been very lucky from from that point of view. Um, and then from a racing point of view, you know, it's um, my dad has always had a, a love of cars. He started he did a little bit of racing when he was younger. Um, so I've always been kind of around and I remember some of my youngest memories being in the paddock in Alton Park sat in his lap in his TVR Tuscan so um, he always has loved cars and, and when I mentioned I wanted to have you know give karting a go um, luckily we've we've got a karting track you know five minutes away um, which is a proper kind of national level karting track so we went down there had a little look around and somehow it spiraled to this but um, yeah I've been incredibly lucky for sure. Do you remember those first early karting experiences and whether you sort of took to it like a duck to water or whether it, it took a little bit of bit of practice? Yeah, I do. And and if I'm quite honest, it, I, I wasn't like some some stories that you hear where you just, you know, you get in the car cart and drive off into the distance and, and the rest is history. I, you know, seriously had to work at it and we had some pretty tough results early on and, and times where I thought, you know what, this isn't this isn't for me. I, I don't think I've quite got this. Um but then as time progresses and you, you start to increase your experience and, and you start to learn and your race craft improves, etc. Um, that's then where obviously you start to become a little bit more happy in your results and the belief starts to come that actually you can do it. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about your racing these days. Um, what do you race in? What have you raced in the last couple of years? I, I know that it's um, Porsche, but let us know for our listeners exactly what the championship is. Paint a picture of it for us. What are the cars like? What are the ca- characteristics of those cars from a driving perspective? Yeah, so I currently race in, in Porsche Carrera Cup GB, um, so a, a sport category to the British Touring Car Championship. Um, they're amazing cars um not not your standard gt3 car um which you typically see on a gt3 weekend um they're a, a car that's as quick as a gt3 car in a straight line often sometimes a bit faster but with less aero no abs no traction control none of the electronic kind of gubbins that um that the the modern gt3 cars have um so it's a really raw driving experience um so obviously learning to learning the braking technique, how to pick up the throttle, how to drive the car aggressively, but also smoothly. And they're also sprint races, which is quite different to your typical kind of GT3 race. You know, our races are 25 minutes long, so it's really aggressive, really punchy, um, proper, proper racing. It's kind of karting, but but big boy style, if you will, um, on yeah. a professional scale. So yeah, they're a phenomenal cars. Um, and I've been very lucky to, to, to race them out in Europe as well, um, in Porsche Southern Europe, which is... An amazing experience out there um driving some proper circuits which has been really cool um was very lucky to do one round of porsche super cup uh, last year at the at the grand prix at, at silverstone which was uh yeah an experience i'll never forget it was a uh, really really special um and nice to be fighting it out with you know these guys are the best in the world at it so you kind of know really where you stand when you're up against them um 
and then I've been very lucky as well recently to to race a historic um, historic car that one of my sponsors owns, um, Grace and Pace Fifty Nine. So they are a historic restoration company that specialise in Lotuses. So they have a, a gorgeous nineteen fifty eight Lotus Eleven, um, and I raced that at Silverstone a couple of weeks ago. So been very very lucky um, with the cars cars that I've driven um, at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a dream come true, that's for sure. I was looking at your social media earlier and I saw saw uh, some of the footage of the 1958 Lotus 11 that you, you drove there. That must be quite a departure from the Porsche that you drive. <laughs> Do you have to adapt your driving style somewhat to, to account for the slightly less evolved technology uh, within that vehicle? Enormously. I remember the first time I drove it, actually, uh, I left foot brake in the Porsche because we don't, we don't have a clutch that we use when changing gear. Um, so pulled out of the pit lane in in the Lotus um, at it was at Castle Coombe actually, and uh, arrived at the first corner, braked, and suddenly thought, oh god, I've got to change gear. So uh, <laughs> you know had to had to swap over to right foot braking, heel and towing, you know, completely back to the drawing board in terms of technique, um, which was which was it's quite a welcome change. It kind of you really have to teach teach yourself back backwards almost to you know, momentum through the corner, you haven't got all of the power that you do in the Porsche or the downforce and the aero, etc. Um, so you really have to kind of, you know, specifically focus on your line through the corner, maintaining your minimum speed, you know, sliding the car on four wheels like you see at Goodwood kind of um, old school style. Um, but yeah, it's been a really welcome change, actually. I, I loved it. I We didn't have the, the luckiest of weekends. We had a, a bit of an issue with the engine, but I still came out of it with an enormous smile on my face. So um, yeah, yeah something must have been going right. Now, uh, 2022 was a, was a great year for you. Um, many of those podiums I mentioned earlier were achieved in that season. You won the championship last year, Pro-Am um, 2022 Porsche Carrera Cup AM champion, AM champion. Tell us about that. That must have been a, a, a bit of a breakthrough year for you. Yeah, certainly. It's, um, I, when I started off racing, I started off in minis um, and got straight into the, the mini JCWs, which are, for anyone that's driven them, knows how how hard they are people look and think oh it's just a mini it really isn't it's one of the hardest cars i've ever driven um and i struggled a bit in that and you know just you know just top tens didn't really get any kind of outstanding results um and then was lucky enough to 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 manage to get in onto the porsche grid the, uh, the next year through a really great deal and support um so then when we got there it was kind of like right this is really now where i need to show what i can do um, I had a good year in 21, um, had a few podiums, a few wins, which was great. And then in, uh, and then in 22, I thought, right, you know, we went, uh, we moved teams to JTR, um, Joe Tandy Racing, which is, of course, owned by Nick Tandy, Porsche factory driver. So um, I kind of had all the tools there that I needed um, and they've been, they've been perfect. They've been spot on. Um, so, yeah, it was a breakthrough year for us. The setup of the car was perfect. My engineer, Adam, was, was perfect and I had all the support I needed. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, I think we we won thirteen of the sixteen races. That's a stat I do know. Yeah. Um, and only and only didn't finish on the podium once um, because of a DNF. But um, yeah, it was a pretty special year winning winning the uh, the championship at Thruxton. All my family were there. Um, it's kind of where a family home is down down near Thruxton. So it was yeah, it was a pretty special year, I have to say. And. What about 2024? I know it gets to that time of the year where you start looking at what you're going to do for the next year or two, tying in contracts, looking at sponsorships and you know how you're going to 
achieve this race seat. What's the current situation with 2024? I'm enormously lucky to have the support of the sponsors I do. Um, Evolution, Grace and Pace 59, Autobred Direct, Porsche Tewkesbury. Um, they've all been amazing in, in supporting me um, this year. And hopefully we can, we're working with them at the moment to try and secure something for next year. Um, the plan is obviously uh, to stay in Porsches. I think that would be the sensible decision. Um, and hopefully progress a bit further up up through that um, the experience that I had at, at the at the Porsche Super Cup was something again I'll, as I said I'll never forget so if the opportunity arose to do that again I certainly would, would work hard in trying to raise a sponsorship to do that um, but we'll see we, have, we don't have anything confirmed as of yet but um, Porsches are certainly the goal that's for sure how do you find that whole sponsorship side of things? It's, it's an area I'm fascinated by because I've worked in it for so long. It's been my sort of bread and butter for the last 18 years um, in Formula One sponsorship and, and some of the smaller categories as well. It, it's not an easy task. How have you managed that process? I mean, we're a bit of a two-man team, really. My dad and I, we work really, really hard. Um, without him, I, I wouldn't be on the grid, full stop. Um, but yeah, we work really, really hard. We both have nine to five day jobs. Um, so it's not a it's not a full time thing for us. Um, so you know we get get back from work. I, I get back from work in London. He's he's obviously here at home, um, and then it's straight on the emails, straight on you know building proposals, trying to trying to set up meetings, calls, get documents out to to people, see see if they're interested, and if they are, then really following up on that and personalising sponsorship packages to to the company. That's certainly a lesson I've I've learned. Is different companies have different requirements. Some might be very exposure driven, some might, for example, be very hospitality driven and, and recognising that and being able to tailor your packages to to that sponsor and making them feel that they are the most important part of your racing journey, which ultimately they are. Um, you know, what's 10 seconds out of my day to let someone have a look inside the car or two minutes to let them sit inside the car? It's something they'll remember for years and years and years, whereas for me, it's two minutes of my, my weekend. Um, so that's certainly something I've learned early on um, and to, to build those relationships with people is, is incredibly important. So, yeah, in answer to your question, we work really hard at it. Um, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes, but it, it's what allows us to go racing and do what we love. So Absolutely. And, and what is the day job? I work as a mechanical engineer in London, so low carbon buildings, um, all that kind of stuff. It's Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I enjoy it. I, I've got a degree in it from university, so... Um, yeah, that's that's what I do nine to five, and then lucky enough to to race these amazing cars when I can. I mean, that's the dream. I, well, I suppose the real dream is to is to race cars full time as a professional. I mean, is, is is that the ultimate goal? Of course it is. I mean, that that is the dream for for anyone doing our sport. Ultimately, it's it's incredibly hard. There's you know, however many people compete in our sport, and that's it's a small number granted, but everyone wants to be getting paid. Um, and they're not. There's not a huge amount of paid paid drives out there. Um, the the only real means that is achievable by a greater number of people is to be the pro driver for an AM, um, and that ultimately from that is that's that's how you'll progress then to become a full paid works driver. Um, so that's certainly the next goal for us is is to to be a the pro driver um, in a pairing. Um, that's that's a really exciting prospect, and we've had a few conversations regarding that. But um, at the moment, nothing. Focusing on developing myself, um, and and keep growing in my career, and 
and then maybe we'll look at sharing the car later down but i quite like you know the sprint races and having the car to myself at the moment now you've been around uh long enough in racing now to, to learn the industry maybe make some mistakes along the way and learn from those mistakes is there anything you'd have done differently in your your journey so far or are you pretty happy with your body of work um i mean the one thing i look back on and i as, as, as you said i'm fairly experienced now but actually i still look at myself sometimes as quite inexperienced because i didn't do the years of karting that so many did i did two seasons of local club racing essentially up at my local kart track and then went off to university and for uh well gcc's a levels and then university and i didn't do any racing during that period um so i missed out on eight nine years of of, of racecraft really um so that is something certainly that i've had to learn and i'm still learning um that i probably missed out on early on in my career i don't regret that because i had the grades that I needed to go to university and get the get the job that I do now um but sometimes you see these people that have gone up through karting european karting world karting etc and they are now so well versed in the world hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. World of racecraft, they know exactly when to go for a move, when to hold off. Um, I learned a lot of that during my championship year last year. Um, but that would probably be the one thing sometimes that I look back on and maybe think, okay, maybe I could have done maybe a couple of seasons in the Coopers before I stepped into the JCWs. But then looking back on it, I was so lucky to get the opportunity to jump straight into a JCW that actually I don't regret that. So it's a bit of a catch-22. You, you you take with one hand, you give with the other. Yeah. What, what ingredients do you think make up a good racing driver? Is it, I mean, is it something that, you know, anyone can pick up and just with the right training and the right engineer, the right team around them, they can be a quick driver or what is there something else that makes people stand out and be those couple of tenths quicker than anyone else? I think for anyone that's done racing or does it properly that I suppose there's an element of no fear to it. You know, you never, you never go around a track thinking, what if a wheel falls off which is one of the questions I get asked so often is do you ever get scared no not really because what's the point in being scared you're obviously not doing your, your job well enough if you are um, obviously there's an element of risk involved of course there is and you know we do what we can to minimise that but um, I think there is an element of 
maybe stupidity I don't know or or, um, or whatever you could call it but I think as long as you look for me I as I said when I first started karting it wasn't something that came immediately naturally to me um, but I work incredibly hard at it um, I'm always the last in the data office um, first in the data office my poor engineer is flat out with me the whole time but um, because every time I get in the car I want to know what I've done well what I could have done differently um, every single time I go out I ask for three points from my engineer and I get them written down on a piece of paper um, three points in that session that I need to do better um, and that stays in on my sat on my it sits on my steering wheel before the session so that when I go out in the next session I've got those three points to look over um, you know some people for example might take racing for granted which I tried certainly not to um, so making sure that I improve myself on every time I go out on track I think is really important and that I think helps in terms of the mindset that you always want to be better so going back to what you said what makes a racing driver I think it is certainly that mindset that every time you want to beat everyone you want to be beat yourself but you want to beat everyone and I think that's quite important what's the best thing about being a racing driver <laughs> driving these amazing cars the the adrenaline the thrill I think genuinely I I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't racing. Um, I love my sport, but you know, racing has been my passion now for so many years, and we had a job essentially for so many years. Um, yeah, driving these amazing cars—you never know what's going to come at the next turn. It's not the same monotonous thing over and over again. Um, but it also gives that competitive edge. I'm incredibly competitive. I hate losing. I don't want to lose to anyone. Um, so it's just that constant, you know competitiveness even if you're not racing you're testing and there's someone out there in a similar car to you okay i know that car is two seconds slower than me so i need to be two seconds two and a half seconds quicker than it or you look back at previous times okay the weather's fairly similar right i need to beat that time it's constant competitiveness and i love that what about the worst things it what, what are the red flags the things that people should you know imagine there's a uh, i don't know there's a 10-year-old Josh out there who's doing quite well at karting and thinking about moving into uh, into cars at some point. What what are the red flags that people should look out for if they're getting into racing? Certainly it's quite easy. It's it's quite a confidence game for sure. Um as is as is a lot of sport, but you know, if you're having a rough patch, if the results aren't going your way, if you've made a mistake, your head's dropped, you'll start overthinking things. Um when you get in that downward spiral, it's quite hard to dig yourself back out of it. Um, so that's certainly one thing I would be aware of and one thing that I I learned early on in my career you know you, you stick it in the gravel whatever you, you do, you're trying you put it in the gravel um, not beating yourself yep be disappointed of course we're going to be disappointed we all we all would be um, but trying not to beat yourself up about it you know you rectify it in the next session make sure that the next session you don't make the same mistake and also just remembering the fact that you're so lucky to be driving these cars um, and doing this so Yes, be down downbeat, but if a sponsor comes over to you or a spectator, a fan, whoever, you know, remember the situation that you're in. Remember that five years before that, I was the one, you know, asking to sit in Jason Plato's touring car, and I remember it specifically. So, and now I'm in that position. So, kind of just reminding yourself that, you know, how how incredibly lucky you are, and that you can, you can enjoy it. Yeah. No, that's that's solid advice. Now, presumably, you watch Formula One as a yep. as a racing guy. You 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 uh, you watch the pinnacle of of the sport from 
a racing driver's perspective, how highly do you rate what Verstappen's doing at the moment? I mean, completely dominant to an absolutely obscene degree. How impressive, in your view, has he been this year? Do you know what? I hate it. <laughs> I hate the dominance. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's incredibly impressive that the guy's faultless. He, he doesn't make mistakes. However, the car is good. The car is very, very, very good. Um, he is he is an incredible talent, but I want to see more of 2021, as I'm sure everyone does. Yeah. Um, I would like Formula One to be to lean towards a more IndyCar, uh, IndyCar, IndyCar uh, spec setup, perhaps spec chassis, and then let the teams themselves develop uh, engine suspension aero all that kind of stuff but the actual chassis of the car i would like to see that as a spec part to get the teams closer because at the moment there is a huge discrepancy and red bull have just checked out and specifically max um but what does that say about perez i mean you know that car is amazing it's you know another newy masterpiece and they've they've nailed so many aspects of it from the drs through to you know the aero and whatever Mm. but what what does that say about sergio perez because before he was teammates with max very well respected driver and it just seems like the curse of Max Verstappen you go and be his teammate and you get annihilated and made to look a bit silly and it, it can be hugely damaging or, or career ending where does this put him from your perspective I, I think you can see it from two perspectives if I as I said if I was Christian Horner I would be fairly happy with where he is there's no conflict in the team it's a quite a Lewis Valtteri situation you know there's no there's no conflict he's quite happily sat behind um, behind Max but sometimes he is too far back. And I personally, this is the pinnacle of the sport. I don't think that's good enough. However, on the other side, I see it from a spectator's perspective. And I think, right, Sergio's got to go. In my in my eyes, he's got to go at the end of this year. Um, who would I bring in? I'd probably look outside the Red Bull Junior Programme because I don't think there's anyone in there deserved of a seat. Um, I would... I don't know who I would look at. I certainly would look at Norris, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, so maybe they'll have to. They'd have to find someone else. But I, I think he's got to go. In my opinion, I don't think he's doing a good enough job. Yeah, it's it's so difficult, and you know, Sergio's not getting any any younger. Um, I mean, there's people like Liam Lawson, isn't there, floating around? But I, I don't know that. You know, it's it's the right time for him necessarily to go up against um, a multiple world champion Agreed. yet. But you know, then you've you've got you know, Alex Albon, who's obviously been there and done it, mm-hmm. but is now doing some wonderful things at, at Williams. And you know, I guess there's there's lots of names you could throw into the mix who could potentially challenge him a little bit. It just feels like he it doesn't really matter who you throw in there. He's always going to beat that person into the ground. I mean, it, put put aside like Red Bull dri- driver academy programs, and um, you know, money is no object. If you could pick any driver to stick next to Max that you think could actually do as well as or even better him on occasion, who would you throw in there? Lewis, final answer. Yeah, I'd love to see that. that. It's, got, it's got to be. There's, there shouldn't be any argument about it. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a, a, a match made in heaven Absolutely. or hell. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, probably more hell. Yeah, I probably would wouldn't want to be the team manager in that situation. Do you think we'll see more of the same next year? No, I think that Red Bull chassis is too good. Uh, sorry, I think sorry. Yes, we will see more of the same next year. I think that Red Bull chassis is is too good. I don't think we'll see any change. Sadly, until twenty six, you know, Toto Wolf can can talk 
as much as he wants and say that this car is is awful, which is not good. Um, but ultimately, I, it's not gonna it's not gonna change the the pecking order. That that car is too good. Max is gonna win the next couple of championships realistically, um, and I think it's gonna be damaging for the sport. Sadly, um, I don't think I don't think the viewership is going to progress well exactly i mean 2021 everything was booming and you know we had huge excitement right up until the end of the season and the the tv numbers and the drive survive was was great and um, it's definitely taken a hit it's been very clear this year that the the interest has tailed off despite it actually being quite an interesting mid-pack um and midfield um but we'll see how things pan out like you say 2026 is the year to look out for when there's obviously the big the big reset now josh it's time for our final three and we ask the same final three questions to all of our guests and it throws up a myriad of answers but i've actually for today for the first time in i think about 180 episodes i've changed question two because i got bored of it um question two used to be um what's um how much of your um how much of your success do you put down to hard work and how much is, is luck, basically, was the, the premise of the question. Mm-hmm. But it started throwing up a lot of similar answers. So I've binned it. So you've got a fresh okay. one today. Um, but the Fine. first one for you is what's got you excited at this very moment? And it could be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be sport-related. What has got me excited? I, I am going to probably keep it on the racing stage. Um, some of the conversations we've got potentially regarding next year um, obviously I'm not going to disclose those but I'm quite excited about where some of those could go, that's for sure um, yeah that's probably what's got me most excited at the moment and as for the last couple of weeks I'm a huge rugby fan um, so watching the Rugby World Cup was pretty good, um, enjoyed that um, so sadly that's on a bit of a dive now but yeah, quite excited to see where England could go over the next next year or so that's that's for sure yeah with or without uh borthwick i i'm i'm not convinced yeah. by him i find him irritating in uh in press conferences <laughs> i don't like the way he talks but anyway that's not really a good reason to get rid of someone <laughs> right special question number two the first one and this is a tough one i don't know what i'd say if i if i got this question but i'm gonna throw it at you anyway what's one lesson your job the racing not your day job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life that is a good one. Um, don't beat yourself up too much. I know it's a professional sport, and it is, and it's incredibly high level, which it is. But sometimes you've got to remember a little bit of, you know, you only get one life, enjoy it. Uh, you've got to remember how lucky you are to be driving these cars. Um, so many people would bite my hand off to be in the position I am in. So, yes, be down heart, be downbeat be disappointed when something goes wrong and I learned this from my dad really you know go off go and have a shower in the motorhome go and do what you need to do splash your face with some water but when you come back out of there right what did I do wrong why did that happen let's make it better again that's kind of and it's the same in in life you get a knockdown go and have 10 minutes sort your sort your head out come back at it again attack it again love it um final one for you what are you scared of (laughs) God, birds. Birds? That's so weird. My wife is scared of birds because they've got spindly little legs that she thinks are going to snap. No, just, and we, we ended up with, when we first had our first child, um, we had somehow one of the cats dragged a moorhen in through the uh, cat flap. We live in the countryside. Dragged a moorhen yeah. in and it started flapping around the house and ended up in the nursery. Um, and then there, there was feathers, there was blood, uh, there was poo. Uh, it was a disaster. And I was in Abu Dhabi, so I couldn't do anything about it. And she had oh. this moorhen shitting all around the house. So tell me, oh, why no. on earth are you scared of birds? 
a traumatic experience as a child strapped in the pram feeding some ducks down at the river and a load of them swarmed up onto me and and that was that really Hyde, Hyde Park is an absolute nightmare that's a massive <laughs> no um, but yeah birds chickens ducks pigeons the works I'll, I'll drive a car at 200 miles an hour no problem that doesn't faze me at all birds there's a bird in the car I'm out so if you're walking up to a little flock of I don't know friendly looking ducks at a pond you just give them a wide berth across the road my god <laughs> well fear of birds uh, yeah not a, not, a, not a fan at all the wonders never cease uh, I actually took one out I actually took a seagull out once at Donington um, and as I went down the craners I just it it was sat it was on the racing line and there's nothing you can do about it um, whatever you steered small, into it yeah, yeah, exactly. A small little rice smile, you know, serves you right. There you go. Have that. <laughs> well, it seems like an appropriate point to sign off. Um, Josh, it's been a ple- pleasure having you on the show. I hope everyone's enjoyed it as well. Um, we've got loads of exciting interviews coming up, including uh, two guys who hope to be the next new Formula One team on the grid. They've got the money. They've got the desire. Let's see if they can do it. They're coming up in the next few weeks. Um, we'll soon also be announcing the date of our next celebrity charity kart race. Uh, one for you to come to, Josh, that one. So stay tuned for that. For now, though, um, Josh, once again, huge thanks. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Josh. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motor mouth podcast <laughs>